Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. If it is your first time here, my name is John. I am the lead pastor. Appreciate you guys coming on out. Thank you so much. So we are in week two of this series that we are calling Ask Me Anything. And if you weren't here last week, the, the premise of this series, <coughs> pardon me as I die, <coughs> the premise of this series came to me from the website Reddit. I don't know if you're on Reddit. Reddit is just like a wild place, to be honest with you. But it's a, it's, a, it's a website that you can go and you can interact with folks from all over the country, all over the world, about anything. And when I mean anything, I mean anything. And one of the things that they do on Reddit, one of the things that they have invented is the AMA, the Ask Me Anything where they invite folks who are experts in their field. They could be scientists. They might be celebrities, even world leaders. They invite them on, and you can just interact with them and ask them anything. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be amazing one day if God said, you know what? I'm going to do an AMA. Here I am. Whatever you got, throw it at me. Ask me anything. And so every week in this series, we are taking a look at potential questions that one might ask God were he to do an AMA. And we're taking a look at scripture to find out how he might answer those questions. So today, what I want to do is I want to look at a question that deals with an issue that a lot of us struggle with. Some of us struggle with this issue consistently in our lives. Some of us struggle with this issue seasonally, depending on kind of what's going on, or maybe even situationally. I would argue that this problem is massive in South Florida, particularly Fort Lauderdale. So today, the question that I want to ask of God is this. God, how can I overcome loneliness? How can I, this feeling that I've got, Lord, how can I overcome loneliness? Now, I'll tell you this. Based on the conversations that I've had with you guys, based on the prayers that I've been a part of with you guys, loneliness is a real problem here at DHC. And I'm sure it's a problem at every church, but this is the church that, that we go to, and I'll just let you know that it's a, it's a problem here. So if you are someone who is struggling with loneliness, trust me when I say this, you are not alone. Now, when we think of a lonely person, I think almost stereotypically, we kind of picture a student kind of holding his tray, looking in the lunchroom for friends, can't find anybody, sits by himself, brutal, okay? That's, that's sort of what we, we think about. It's a nightmare scenario that some of us deal with. But it's way bigger than that because you could be lonely because you've lost a spouse. You could be lonely because you've lost a marriage. You could be lonely in a marriage. You could be lonely looking for love, which is a, a, a big struggle for some of us here at this church. And I would say one of the largest sources of, of loneliness that we struggle with is that many of us have moved to Fort Lauderdale. I'd argue probably most of us. We moved to Fort Lauderdale from a different city, from a different state, some of you from different countries. Now you just don't know anybody. I mean, maybe you came from, you know, for work and it's just you're, you're by yourself. And the ironic thing is that we live in a world that has never been more connected. I mean, you think about all the technology that we have. We live in a world that has never been more connected, and yet people have never felt more alone. So what is going on with loneliness? Why is loneliness becoming such a growing problem, uh, particularly in America? Social experts have kind of taken a look at this growing issue of loneliness in first world countries, particularly in America, they were focusing on. 
And they came up with four theories as to why they think loneliness is becoming such an issue for us. And the one thing they pointed to, as they call it, is the breakdown of families. Now, some of you have dealt with this. You've, you've gone through a divorce. Maybe it was messy. Maybe it wasn't messy, you know. But, but what happens? Well, they keep the church, and you've got to go find a new church. Maybe that's why you're here today. They get this group of friends, and, and you keep this group of friends. And there's just this breakdown in relationship and connection. Number two, and this hits us hard in South Florida, is increased mobility. Increased mobility. People just don't stay in the same place for too long anymore. Maybe because it's, it's for work or whatever, but people are just constantly on the move, moving to this city, moving to this city, moving to different states. And in the six years of DHC and tomorrow, Tomorrow is our sixth year anniversary, which is amazing. It, it breaks our heart to see the revolving door of great people that, that come here. You know, they, they come in, they plug in, they, they, they start creating new relationships, and they're serving, and then they move. And it, and, it, and it just stinks. One of our volunteers, and I asked her if I could tell this story, <clears throat> her name is Sarah Gambrell. You might know her as the coffee girl, the seltzer girl. She's out there every single week, and we love her. This was her life. This is what she knew. She was in pharmaceutical sales, and if you're in that business, you, you know this. I mean, she, for her job, she would have to move to different cities in different states, and she was always moving. Well, finally, a couple of years ago, she got sent down here to Fort Lauderdale. She found our church, started to plug in, started to serve, found friends, found real belonging. And then the phone rang. Hey, Sarah, you're one of our top folks. We're going to need you to move again. And I was just talking with her outside. But this, was, this was a tough time in her life. I mean, I remember this. There was tears. There were prayers. What, you know, what is she going to do? And, and finally, after a lot of prayer, she decided, I'm done moving. I'm not going to let a job run my life. I found a church. I have found friends. I have found community. I am not going to be a victim of this problem any longer. Speaking of work, social experts also point to the modern heavy workload. Okay? When you ask somebody, hey, how you doing? What do they say? Good, good. Busy, right? Real busy. Adam, right, Mr. Comedian over here. Like in our previous place of employment, we used to work together. All day long, he was famous, all day long. He'd walk around and just tell you how busy he was. He'd come in, whoa, man, am I busy, so busy. What was he doing? Not a clue, I have no idea, okay? Probably, you know, buying Disney princesses on eBay or something, okay? Probably really was doing that. But like, as a nation, we're just busy. Some of us, not all of us, but I mean, some of us are putting in insane hours at work and we're just, we're not connecting with other people. You know, I'm from New Jersey, right outside of Manhattan. So my back home friends, you know, high school friends and stuff, many of them work in Manhattan. And the ones who work in finance, the ones who work in PR and marketing, they're staying at the office until 8, 9, and 10 p.m. every day just to go home, sleep, and, and, and do it again. I mean, this, God bless them, but this, this workload that some of us have is really preventing us from making real, just sort of intimate connections with other people. And lastly, social experts point to social media as something that really drives loneliness. Because what do we do when we're lonely? Well, 
You post a selfie or some picture, anything that sort of gets us some attention from the outside world, and then we monitor it. We say, okay, did he get a like? How many likes did he get? Did he like it? Did he say anything? Okay, and, and, and wh why do we do this? Because, because we want to meet that longing for connection and intimacy that we all have, but experts will tell you when we do this, we are merely deferring loneliness till later. I would argue you're actually making it worse. Loneliness is an issue. But loneliness in and of itself isn't necessarily a problem, but how you deal with loneliness can be the problem. Because I have seen people in an effort to overcome loneliness reach for the bottle. That's a problem. I have seen people stay in relationships that should end because they are afraid to be alone. I've seen people who are afraid to end up alone compromise their morals and their values just to get into a relationship. That's a problem. So how we deal with loneliness is a very important conversation. That's why I just think it's best that we ask God, God, can you show us in scripture what we can do to overcome this feeling that so many of us are wrestling around with and struggling well, luckily for us, loneliness is addressed all over Scripture, cover to cover. In fact, loneliness was the very first thing that God said was not good about this world that we now live in. Abraham, the great patriarch Abraham, struggled with loneliness. David struggled with loneliness. The great prophet Jeremiah, wow, you go back and you read his, that was a lonely man. But for our purposes today, what I want to do is I want to focus in on a guy named Paul. Uh, many of you are familiar with him. Some of you are not as familiar with him. So I'll just tell you this. Paul was a um, Jewish leader who hated Christians. And when I mean hated, I mean hated. He would go around and persecute them, chase them down, stone them, sometimes even, even kill them. And then one day, Paul met Jesus, and his life was changed forever. He became a Christian. And he went on to live the rest of his life traveling the Mediterranean Rim, planting churches, and he actually wrote over half of the New Testament. It is an amazing story. Paul was a people person. Paul loved people. Paul lived a vigorous life, just a, re, you know, a mover and shaker, busy schedule, always going to this city and that city, this town and that town. My man knew so many people, and he always remembered their names, okay? Unlike me, I'm just so bad. I mean, there's something worse than when I meet somebody outside and I go, hey, First time here, and they go, no, I've been here for seven years. Oh, thank you. <sighs> Just hanging on by a thread, folks. Okay, anyway, but so today we are going to meet a lonely man when we hear from Paul. The story that we're going to read today picks up in a letter that Paul wrote to a young pastor named Timothy. We've read some of this recently. Um, and the context for this letter, meaning Paul wrote this letter that we are reading while inside of a prison having been arrested and charged with sedition, which is a word that unfortunately we've heard a lot recently. And he now is on death row. He doesn't know exactly when he's going to be executed, but he knows it could be any day. With that in mind, Paul writes this. Timothy, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. And the time of my death is near. 
So this man who loved people, who gave his life to serve Jesus over 30 years, he now finds himself spending his last days on earth alone. History tells us that Paul was arrested and locked up in what is called the Mamertine prison or the Mamertine prison. It's in Rome. It is still there. You can visit it. In fact, I have a picture of the jail cell where death row inmates, so to speak, would have been locked away. Here it is. This is the actual, it's kind of hard to see even in this dark room. But this is where today's passage was written. When you see, and this hole at the top here, this is where the prisoners would get lowered in from. When you see this picture, it gives you a whole other perspective about where the Bible was written. Because you hear Paul you know, write these things and, and about worry or whatever the case may be, and, and we think, ah, it's easy for you to say. Probably in some, you know, ivory tower or whatever. Very here. This is where Paul was when he wrote these things. But not only was he locked up alone in the Mamertine prison, but he was a victim of rejection, of opposition, and abandonment. He tells Timothy, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Visit me. Demas? has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone on to Thessalonica. Alexander, the coopersmith, coppersmith, did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he's done. And then what's really sad is what he says next, and we're going to hit on this a couple of times today. He says, you know, Timothy, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came to me. Everyone abandoned me. And some of you know what Paul is going through right here. Someone you trusted, someone you loved, someone you cared about, someone that you just poured your heart and soul and life into them just walks away, leaving you with, with, with no explanation. This is a disappointed man. This is a man who had arguably the biggest impact in this world outside of Jesus Christ, and here he is locked away in a dark dungeon rejected, betrayed, abandoned, and alone. But, as we're going to see, Paul did a number of things to overcome his loneliness. And that's what I want to look at for the remaining portion of our day. So what exactly did Paul do? And when you see this, it's, it's just amazing to me because it just shows you how practical God's word is for our everyday lives. So when we look at this account, one of the first things that we can learn from Paul when it comes to ways in which we can overcome loneliness is we learn that we need to utilize our time wisely. In other words, you got to make the best of a bad situation. I can't put it any plainer. You just got to make the best of a bad situation. You need to actively resist the temptation to do nothing because loneliness has a tendency to paralyze you when you sit around and you do nothing. So Paul was locked away in a jail, yes, but he did the best that he could to sort of stay engaged with the world, even on the outside for him. He tells Timothy, hey, bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. In your ministry? You're on death row. I mean, we've seen, you're not going anywhere. What? But Paul wasn't giving up. He was going to use his time wisely to serve God any way that he possibly could. And then he lets Timothy know sort of how he's been using his time while he's been in jail. Kind of like a status update. He's like, hey, Timothy, just so you know, I sent Tychius to Ephesus. 
And Ephesus is Timothy's home church. So Paul's like, look, I may be stuck in here, but I'm going to utilize my time to help you, Timothy, out there with whatever is going on. And then I love what he says next. He goes, hey, when you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Choaz, you know, with the pockets. Um, bring that one. Also bring my books. And don't forget about my papers. He didn't complain and say, God, is this what I get? For 30 years of service, of giving my life, of beatings and shipwrecks and this and that, for 30 years, I find myself locked in a prison now? No. Instead, it was, well, you know, if I'm going to be here and I'm going to be lonely, I might as well be comfortable. Bring me a coat. I'll keep myself warm. Interesting side note. Lonely people often forget to take care of their personal needs. They, they stop exercising. They stop eating right. They just, they, they ignore personal needs. But Paul is saying, I'm not having that. Uh-uh. Bring my coat. Bring my books. Bring my papers. If I'm going to be locked away, I'm going to utilize my time wisely. Second thing we learn from Paul, if we're looking to overcome our loneliness, is that we got to minimize the hurt. Now, I'm not saying to ignore the loneliness that you're feeling. You shouldn't do that. Loneliness is there for a reason. It's a red flag. It's trying to warn you about something. We just don't want to exaggerate it. Or worse, rehearse it over and over and over again. We, we don't want to allow loneliness to make us bitter. And loneliness can do that. That's why Paul, when he was recounting his moment before the judge, everybody abandoned him. He goes, May it not be counted against him. See, Paul had plenty of time on his hands. But the one thing he didn't have time for was resentment because he knew, he knew that resentment would only make him more lonely. It just seems like it pushes people away when you need them the most. He knew resentment and bitterness and anger only leaves us vulnerable to attacks from the enemy. In fact, another time, that Paul was locked away in a different jail. He said these words, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. And Satan would love, ooh, Satan would love nothing more than to see Paul in there just stewing over who abandoned him. How many times do we do that? We just rehearse the hurt in our lives and the people. But Paul knew, look, if I don't minimize this hurt, okay, if I allow loneliness to make me angry and bitter, then Satan is going to have a field day with me. So you know what? I forgive him. May it not be counted against him. Paul's going, I want to be a better man, not a bitter man. So I'm going to utilize my time wisely, and I am going to minimize the hurt. The third thing that we learn from Paul, if we're looking to overcome this loneliness that we might be struggling with. And this is a big one. We have to focus on other people. This is so big because when you're lonely, when you're lonely, you tend to only focus on yourself. It's a natural human reaction to hurt. We sort of, we kind of close inwards and, and our world gets very small and we only think about ourselves. And we see in this, in this context here that Paul was Firmly focused on other people. Firmly focused. We see it when he said things like, you know, I sent Tychius over there to Ephesus. Timothy, if you need help at that church, I'm going to help you meet that need even while I'm in here. We see it when he asked for his papers so that he could write letters to other churches and other Christians and encourage them as to what they're going through or struggling with. And we today 
are the beneficiaries of some of those letters that Paul wrote that time. And I love how he ends this letter. Because even though he's locked away from the world, even though he's on death row, he goes, hey, Timothy, would you give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila and those living in the household of Onesephorus? Just let them know I'm thinking about them. Let them know I'm, I'm praying for them. See, this is a guy who is other focused. And there's just so much that we can learn from that. Because the truth is this. Look, when you're lonely, our natural inclination is to see if others will reach out to us. Let me just see who calls me. Let me, let me just see who texts me. I'm, 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 I'm going to see who's thinking about me. I'm going to see. I'm gonna, pa- Paul is showing us, no, 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 no. Don't wait. Don't wait. Actively be proactive. Actively connect to other people. You got to do your best to reach out to others. Focus on them. Serve them any way that you possibly can. A few years ago, maybe 10, 11, 12 years at this point, I remember I was talking to one of my relatives. He was, uh, he's now since passed, but he was a pastor. Um, he was also a psychologist, and I was just, you know, struggling with some anxiety at that time. Shocker, okay? And I went to him. I just said, hey, you know, any advice? And he goes, yeah, I do have a piece of advice for you. And it's scriptural, and it's also psychological. He goes, anytime you find yourself sort of struggling and tempted to worry about yourself, anytime you find yourself sort of closing in from the world, anytime you find yourself starting to focus on what's going on in your life, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray, and I want you to pray for somebody else. I was shocked. But this is what Paul is doing. Paul's saying, I may be facing death. I may be locked away from the entire world, but I'm going to focus on others, and I'm going to try to serve them any way that I possibly can. So I'll just say this. I don't know, I don't know your story. I don't know what you're going through right now. But if you're lonely, I would encourage you to serve anywhere you can. Serve here at this church. Take Paul's advice and overcome your loneliness by reaching out and serving other people. If you're new to South Florida, which most of us are at some degree, and you find that you don't really know anybody yet, volunteering out there in the community, volunteering here at church can be one of the greatest and quickest ways to plug in to a community. I took this picture last Sunday. This is our 830 huddle, as we call it. These are our volunteers. These focus is one group from one Sunday, but these are our volunteers coming together and Adam is giving them their marching orders. I want you doing this. You're over here. You're, you're, you're over here. We're encouraging one another. We're praying for one another. We're praying for you and what God might do in your lives. And we are getting ready for a day of serving other people, getting the focus off of ourselves onto other people. But what I love about this picture is that in this circle, there are people who have been with DHC since its inception. And I don't even mean September 20th, 2015. I mean, since it was just an idea of what a church like this could look like. And inside of this circle, there are people that have been at this church since July. And they have come together and they are serving others. And in doing so, it has made them friends. And I would argue it's actually made them family. Scripture says that God places the lonely in families. 
And so if you're lonely right now, if you are far from home, if home is a different state or a different country, maybe, maybe you have no family nearby, maybe you have no family to speak of, I firmly believe that you are here for a reason. God has placed you into a family. And so if you want to break away from your loneliness, you've got to focus on others, you've got to serve others, so come and meet your family. The last thing that we learn from Paul, the most important thing that we learn from Paul when it comes to overcoming our loneliness is that we've got to recognize God's presence. And this word recognize is just so important. I remember Paul said this. He goes, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me, but may it not be counted against me. But the Lord stood with me, and he gave me the strength. I may have been deserted by all of my friends. I may find myself inside of a prison cell, but I've never been alone because Jesus has always been by my side. Folks, there are so many things that we could do to mitigate the loneliness in our lives. Just so I could give you a list a mile long. But at its core, we need Jesus. At its core, you need Jesus. See, one of the things that drives us to loneliness and one of the things that perpetuates the loneliness in our life is that we think that no one understands us. Isn't that true? No one gets me. No one knows what I'm feeling. No one understands my situation. No one understands what I'm going through. But here's one thing I know for sure. Jesus understands how you feel. See, ultimately, loneliness is a, a feeling of separation. That's what it is. And as Jesus Christ hung on that cross, bearing the sins of the world, every sin that was ever committed, had been committed, will be committed, in that moment, he experienced loneliness at a deeper level than one can ever imagine. Mark recounts this moment on the cross. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemay sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? For the last three years of Jesus' life, he poured into his disciples. He lived with them. Spent an entire day, three years, he poured into their lives. And when he needed them most, they abandoned him. Some of them even pretended not to know who he was. And now as he hung on that cross, bearing all of our sins, Jesus felt a pain that he had never known before. Separation the Father. And while it's not entirely scriptural, we often say in this moment that, that, that God actually turned his face away from Christ. That is in this moment that God actually turned his back on Christ because he couldn't be in the presence of such sin. And it was an unfathomable loneliness. But it was all part of God's glorious plan. Because Jesus was forsaken, Jesus was abandoned on that cross so we would never be alone. So that we who may be followers of his could experience a deep and meaningful relationship with God who promised to never leave us, who promised to never forsake us, 
who we can walk with and talk with, who we can love and be loved by and share every moment of our life with. And so when you're in that season, when you're in that trial, when you find yourself in the pit of despair and loneliness, you can hold on to the fact that you can never be separated from your creator. Wherever you are, there is Jesus. Psalm 139 is my favorite passage in all of scripture. I just love it. And I think Psalm 139 perfectly captures, but in, better than any other place in scripture, perfectly captures the intimate relationship that we actually have with our creator, with our heavenly father. And so if you are someone here today or watching online or listening in the future and you feel alone and you feel like there's not a person in the world who understands you or knows what's going on in your life, I hope what David wrote several thousand years ago helps you recognize, see the presence of God in your life. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. Do you know everything I do? You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord? You go before me. You follow me. You're all around me. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I flew beyond the east or lived in the farthest place in the west, you would be there to lead me. You would be there to help me. How precious. How precious are your thoughts about me, God? They can't be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, and I love how he ends this. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Which is why Jesus could promise us with the last words that he ever spoke on this earth. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, what's the practical? What do you do with a message like this? If it is your first time here at DHC, every single week, there's a word on the screen, because I want to make sure you can leave on a Sunday and just know exactly what to do with what you've heard. Now, the truth is this. Today is one gigantic practical of things that you can do to help yourself overcome loneliness. But I want to give you one thing. One thing that you can sort of hold on to and bring all of this teaching together, and it's this. I would challenge you, encourage you to reach out. And there are three ways that I think that you can reach out. Number one, I would challenge you to reach out to others when you're feeling lonely. If you are in a place right now where you feel all alone, you got to reach out. Like I said, it is a natural inclination. It is a human nature to wait to see if others will reach out to you. I'm going to be honest with you. That's a losing game for any number of reasons. That's a mindset that only sets you up for bitterness. Take Paul's advice. Reach out. 
Be proactive on your own part. Maybe it's time to sign up to volunteer. Here, anywhere, a local school, whatever you got to do, put yourself out there. It might be uncomfortable. It might be out of, you know, your comfort zone. Put yourself out there. Reach out. Maybe you just need prayer. Reach out. Come to one of the blue tables outside. We'd love to pray for you. Maybe that's awkward for you. Email me, john at soflowchurch.com. Info at soflowchurch.com. I'll get it. I would love nothing more than to communicate with you privately and pray for you, whatever you're going through. But you got to reach out. You have to reach out. Number two, I would challenge you to reach out to those you suspect are lonely. See, here's the thing with loneliness. Sometimes we just don't know when other people are lonely because we're good at hiding it. Sometimes we just can't see it. That's why I encourage those who are struggling with loneliness to do the reaching out. But sometimes you know. Sometimes you just know. Maybe they're single. I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're, they're, they're widowed. Or maybe they're out of work. Maybe they're just not themselves. Reach out. Give them a call. Shoot them a text. Invite them to coffee. Go to dinner. Maybe they just need a hug. Whatever it is, your reaching out could be the one thing that heals them. And lastly, and most importantly, you got to reach out to Jesus. Maybe for the first time for some of you. Maybe, maybe you felt this sort of, I don't even know, it's, it's just a, an emptiness in your life. It's been there for a while. Scripture paints a picture that every single human being has a God-shaped hole in their heart. Maybe today is a day for you, for you to reach out to Jesus and ask him to be the Lord of your life. That will change everything. Now, for others of us, we, maybe you need to reach out to Jesus because you've just forgotten that he's been with you all this time. Maybe you need to recommit your life and your relationship to him, to the one who's always been there for you, who's never left your side, who's been with you through everything that you've gone through, who is alongside of you right now and who promises to be with you always, no matter what you're dealing with, even to the end of the age. He was abandoned and broken and forsaken so that we would never have to be lonely. Let me pray for you. Dearly Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity that we could come together and talk about a feeling, God, that it's just dark sometimes. And I pray that if there are folks in this room, and I just know there happens to be because we're all humans, and I just pray that if there's someone in this room right now who is lonely, God, I pray that your words today would be a bomb to their heart, that they would begin to feel warmth and healing, perhaps in a way that they have not felt in a long time, perhaps even ever. I pray, God, that you would empower them by the power of the Holy Spirit 
to take that step to do what's necessary on their part to reach out and try to find some healing. And God, I pray for the rest of us, you would give us discernment to see people on our path who may be hurting, who may be lonely. And Lord, perhaps it is we who can be the ones to change their lives. But ultimately, Lord, I want to thank you for your son, Jesus, for sending him to this world, for allowing him to endure that cross so that we may not be separated from you, that we would know you personally, intimately, and that we would know that you would never leave us nor forsake us, Lord, that it was you who has been with us all of this time. And God, I pray that you would help us to know that you will never abandon us. We place all of this in Jesus' name.